The Zone Coverage Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to another edition of Perkett Pod. If you've listened before, we so appreciate you. If you haven't, and this is your first time, enjoy. Thanks for being here with us. Pass the word along that Perkett Pod is bringing you a new podcast every two weeks with some great guests. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your fourth grade Spanish teacher to escuchar. <laughs> I think that's Tillison, right? Uh, okay, a few years ago, I heard United FC, our beloved soccer team, was hiring a new head coach to help usher in the days of MLS play. And I remember everyone at United being so genuinely excited, so downright giddy in some instances, to be announcing Adrian Heath as the new head coach, the former English Premier League star for Everton, who'd gotten into coaching and did wonders with the team in Orlando there. Who was this dude, though? Or chap, I guess. Well, over time, he's sort of become my soccer Yoda. And he's taken the loons to the postseason, and now, with even more say in the way the team is run and a contract extension in hand, Adrian Heath is ready to take it up a notch higher. But before we speak to Heath, time now for... Random Ranks! Okay, time now for the top 11 bits of soccer lingo that I have learned or pivoted to since I now better understand the sport of soccer. 11. Pitch. I get that a field is a pitch. Number 10. Table. I've always called them standings, but in soccer, apparently it's a table. Number 9. Kit. Forget jerseys and uniforms. Dude, those kits are sick. Number 8. Caps. She has eight caps with the U.S. national team, which I think means that that's how many games she's played. Uh, 7. Cross. Like a centering pass in hockey. It's a cross. Number six, set piece. It's a corner kick, free kick, whatever. Just as long as it's set. Ball's not moving, right? Set piece. Number five, transfer window. Still don't totally understand it, but I understand that this is when you can get players. This is when you can get players from other squads. Number four, relegation. I know this one all too well. My favorite Premier League team, Fulham, has been relegated twice sent down to the lower league because they weren't good enough to stay in the Premier League. Number three, boots. They call cleats boots. Trust me, that's what they do. Number two, one of my favorites, nutmeg. To get megged. It's when you get the ball kicked between your legs. And number one, gaffer. The head coach. The guy in charge. The gaffer. Which brings us to the gaffer. I've gotten to know Adrian Heath pretty well over the last few years. I do a monthly segment in my TV job in which I sit down with Heath over what inevitably is a burger for me and what usually ends up being wings and a Pinot Grigio for the gaffer. The segment called Yo Adrian allows me to soak up as much soccer knowledge about United and beyond as I can. Usually the conversation meanders far past soccer as well. Today, the topic is Heath himself on Perkett Pod. Please enjoy. Well, Inchi, right. thanks for thanks for joining me on Perkett Pod here. This is this is an absolute joy having you. And I, I call you Inchi because everybody calls you Inchi. Uh-huh. Well, not everybody, but that's a kind of an old school nickname for you, isn't it? This is from probably the age of five, six. Okay. Always the smallest guy in the class. Went on holiday and the guy went, there was a TV program at the time called Inchi Eye Private Eye. And it just stuck from there. He called me Inchi and 
here we go. Seems fifty odd years later, I'm still being called it. It was a cartoon, and like so, the the private eye. He was an investigator. He'd go on like he, yeah, like he a little cartoon, a like guy. like. But he was he was literally an inch high, and he'd like get, yeah. Like, he was always the tiny one in the group, uh, and he's, that was his name, Inch High Private Eye. He was like Ant Man or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well. Okay. So now here you are, uh, fully grown. Yeah, fully grown. <laughs> what are you like? Uh, six six. Five six. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> No, uh, no, actually, I'm a little bit bigger than that, five, six and a half. But for a soccer player, and that's what you were growing up, right? Yeah. I mean, for the most part, you were, I mean, that was that, that was no problem. No, no, there's a lot of my idols who I loved as a child growing up, the George Best of this world and George Eastham's Alan Hudson, they weren't much bigger. So Colin Harvey, Colin Bo uh, Alan, Alan Ball, two great players in Everton's history. So no, he was never, and it, it, that was always the chip on my shoulder as well. Okay. You know, I remember the story where the Stoke City centre forward at the time, and that was the team that I went every game from the age of four. I went home and away nearly every week until that I was your team growing up. Yeah. and the team you were just like you, yeah. you loved. Yeah, and I heard the centre forward one day, this guy I idolised, who was six foot three centre forward, saying, "Everybody knows he's talented, but he's going to be too small." And talk about motivation. Mm -hmm. And then I remember he presented me with the Young Player of the Year award. And the first thing I said to him was, not bad for somebody who's got too small and never going to make it. And he looked at me with that glazed expression as if, say, what's this kid on about? But it was, I used it as my motivation. Well, it stuck with you. He didn't even remember it. No, no. That's awesome how that happens sometimes. So you, were, so you grew up in where, Newcastle? Or? Newcastle on the line, which is a mining town in, in Staffordshire, which is just south of uh, Manchester. So sort of an industrial... Yeah, very blue collar, yeah. coal, steel, military. They, well, were, they well, were the three sort of main uh, industries that people from my school went into. What were your parents doing? Mum um, worked in a factory. My dad was uh, was in the RAF as a as a young guy, and then when he came, I'm sorry, out, the what RAF, which would be the Royal Air Force. Yeah, got it. Okay. So he was in the parachute regiment. Yeah. So he had his wings. He jumped out of airplanes and yeah. and stuff, and then. Um, they were legends, some of the, the, yeah, the in the yeah. wars. They they did some un yeah, unbelievable he, damage. He was, uh, yeah, it was, but it was something that I had a PE teacher called John Crotty, who was an international athlete, and he changed my life. He he came into our school, and he sat me down and he said to me, "You are so talented, you can do anything you want to do. You do not have to go down the mine. You do not have to go to the military. You don't. You can be anything you want. You're that good." Mm. And nobody ever said that to people from where we were. You're that good as a soccer player. Most sports, I was. I played for the. Just do that good of an athlete. I played that good of a for kid. the county at most sports. Uh -huh. Believe it or not, basketball, basketball, badminton, cross country, track. Yeah. You know, I was a pretty good athlete, but football was always the thing. That was never. You know, when you used to do your thing at school with the teacher, and they go, "What are you going to do when you leave the school?" I used to go, I'm going to be a professional footballer. And he go, yeah, so was everybody else in the school. <laughs> and I go, okay, we'll see. Nowadays, it's just every, every you talk to kids, everybody's like, I'm going to be a YouTuber. <laughs> okay, that's Yeah. Uh, no, but like, so do you cringe whenever I say the word soccer, or is soccer okay? No, soccer's okay, because okay. It, when I first got to the States, whenever I used to keep using football, everybody's automatic 
thought was football, American yeah. football. Yeah. So it, it, it saves a little bit of time just going soccer. So they go, okay. So you, you grew up, you started, and then you started, I would imagine, really focusing on football. And um, I know you have a lot of other loves. You, you love tennis. You love you love boxing. You yeah. love a lot of different sports. Um, you love American football for that yeah. matter. But, but, uh, but it was kind of that you started to get picked for select teams, yeah. I would imagine. And when I got to the age of 12 or 13, it was pretty apparent, although I was, I was still small even in, the, in them years for the, my development, um, the talent was always there. And I had an opportunity to maybe sign for six or seven teams, which were all in the big league, you know, the NFL, yeah. if you like. Yeah. And uh, I chose Stoke only because I wanted my grandparents who took me every week to see me play for yeah. Stoke. So that was still one of the highlights of my life was actually running out at the stadium. I used to go to every week knowing that my mom, dad and my you know, my grandparents were in the stand watching me play. So that was a, the real motivation. That must have been just awesome. Like it, the first time you you wore that kit and yeah. ran out on the field and oh my and, god. And the strange was was my dad said, Listen, I am not gonna force you. You know, this is your decision. But it would make your grandparents extremely proud if they saw you in that red and white shirt. So it wasn't much uh, persuading to do. To yeah, honest, yeah, yeah. Emotional blackmail, you know. Sure. And then, and then I, I would imagine at some point uh, the Everton thing. How did that come about? Like, when did you become? Well, I, I got in the team really young. I, I made my debut just after my seventeenth birthday. Oh wow! So I was, you know, I'd only been at the club a year, and I, I got myself into the team. And then within maybe six months of starting for Stoke, all the newspapers were full at Manchester United, Liverpool, all the bigger clubs were starting to watch my progression. So you were like, like without like, you know, I making was, you feel too awkward. You were like a, you were like a, a, a superstar in the making. You were like a sort of a phenom, right? I like was, yeah, was I, I was, a, and I, I was playing for England under 21s at the time when I was three or four years younger than that age group. Yeah. So I, I had a really, really, sort of meteoric rise if you like got it from nowhere got in the team started to do well and then before you know where you are you're getting linked with like the biggest clubs in the world and but what they didn't know is that the guy i used to look after his boots because in england when you sign at 16 you you're you're virtually professional but you're called an apprentice, an apprentice i was gonna say yeah so we had to do all the jobs in there so we do the dressing rooms every day we clean the first team players boots we wash the kit we do all them jobs before we were allowed to leave every day so after training, they were our jobs. And one of the guys' boots I looked after was this guy called Howard Kendall, who went on to be the greatest manager in Everton's history. And me and him stuck up a real friendship. Oh, awesome. He then becomes the Everton manager. So there was only one place I was ever going to go. And, you know, people were saying, I think he's going to sign for the Villa. I think he's going to... But no, there was only I'd set my mind on I was going to go to Everton football. It was going to be to Everton, and that's where you landed, and that's where you ended up, and that's where you had several years and flourished. And I would imagine, uh, from what I, I think I read, signed a pretty fat contract too yeah. at the time. And yeah, I remember I was earning, um, I think I was earning seventy pound a week, and they gave me uh, twenty five thousand pounds cash, and put me on five hundred pound a week. I thought I was a millionaire. Yeah. Because nobody where I'm from had ever earned that sort of money. So as per usual, I did the usual thing. I bought my mum and dad a house and got a nice flashy car. And most of that 25000 was gone within, <laughs> with, within about a month. But uh, fortunately to say, I got it back a bit later. Well, I would imagine your parents appreciated the, the, the new house for crying out. But that, that's got to be so awesome. And I, I always think of like these young athletes when they get their first big contracts or their big signing bonus and they, they get a chance to really do something profound like that. I mean, that's... Yeah. 
that's meaningful. That's got to be so so powerful. It is, and, and I think the other thing is perks is that if you if you're an athlete, and I look at it now in America because that's where I've been for twelve years of my life. Yeah, and the sums of money these guys get now, but that's the only thing that you can repay for everything that they've done for you. Yeah, you know, you're there for them, obviously, yeah. the, the, the unconditional love that you have for your parents and and your family, but to actually give them something tangible to go, this is for you. I think that's why most people do it, and like you say, it was probably as as, as um, exciting and, and and the most proud I've ever felt of doing, because I know what they gave up. Because we never had a lot of money, we didn't have an awful lot of anything. Mm. So for them to sacrifice what they did to put me in this be best place I could to get me to where I needed to be every weekend to play football or to do stuff, you know, that was a little bit of a thank you i think what kind of a car did you end up like purchasing what was that first do you know what it, and it was it's still to this day maybe my favorite car okay i bought an audi quattro okay which was then a rally car in europe so the rally cross where they go through the fields and over the hills and through the woods and it was the one with the the four black circles on okay. the side oh wow you know vorsprung dirk technique <laughs> and as the germans say and it was uh Oh, no, I love that car, and yeah. it still might still be my favorite car. Do they still make Quattros? They, they, they do, but I've got a Audi Quattro now, but it's an A7. Okay. But, but that particular car now, the long wheelbase, I got informed recently is probably about worth about two hundred thousand dollars now. Oh my gosh, that's pretty awesome. So yeah. now they're so like, stop making it. But you've been a, a you've been an Audi guy then your whole life. Most if you're still life. driving one today, right? Yeah. Well, that's a lot to do with the the league deal that we have. I've been Jaguars. I've been you okay. Know, okay. Yeah, it just depends on 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 what the deal is. Then mm. I get you. So so then you're yeah, at Everton. You become you become a, a a star. Your team becomes unbelievably yeah. good. Yeah. Um. And and that meteoric rise, as you as you call it, sort of hits hits a peak for yeah. sure. And and what was that like? What was that lifestyle like? What was that? Because 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 over there. Uh, like you said, that's like being that's like being the star of 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 an NFL team, right? Yeah. So equate that, like what like what kind? Of, you were like uh, maybe not a Tom Brady, but maybe like a, uh, maybe like a Drew Brees or something like right. that, weren't you? Or Odell Beckham, maybe. Okay. <laughs> oh, so, oh, a so, little bit flashier. Certainly with the haircuts, anyway. In them guys, Ferg. Well, no, it was. <laughs> well, they've just made a film, just made a movie about my my seven years at the club. So if that came out. It's on Prime now so i watched it for the other day we got quite emotional watching it because just reliving like a documentary yeah it's on it's on prime now you can get it on uh, amazon prime oh awesome it's called howard's way that was the name of the coach okay and basically it charts our seven years at the club and goes through all the highs and the lows and there was a few lows um but no it was an incredible time and we were if you imagine this young group of players coming together we were all aged between 20 and 24, 25. Oh, jeez. All single. Yeah. All living in a city in Liverpool where music's taking off again. It was that early 80s where there was this explosion of bands, you know, Frankie Goes to Hollywood, yeah. China Crisis, you know, uh, the, the Christians, it goes on and on, uh, OMD. Yeah. And you go out in town and all these young, young new bands with all the air cuts were all across your face. And so it was a really exciting time to be in the city. The two, the two best teams in Europe, maybe at that time, were Everton and Liverpool, okay. both in the same city of Liverpool. And then there's this Holy music cow. explosion. Oh my gosh. So you can imagine that we, uh, I think the best way to, that? I think the best way of describing it, Perks, we had a good time. <laughs> yeah. So you, so like that must've been like, uh, 
Well, that was before social media, so that's a, that was a good thing. No, oh, <laughs> if we if that social media would have been around then, trust me, that team would have been in a lot of trouble these days. But. <laughs> Oh my gosh! But that, but, but also must have been must have been great because you were you were getting you were getting to play with the best players in, yeah. the, in the world and and really have have an, an unbelievable experience. And you were, I would imagine, well known. Like you were, you were a celebrity yeah. probably around there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, you couldn't go out and you know, you, 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 your time wasn't your own and your space wasn't your own. But we were young. We 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 grown up dreaming of being that player. Where yeah. that happened to you. Yeah, and. After f five, six years, then it be can become a bit wearing. But I think I, sp I could speak for nearly all of that team that we loved we that adulation that you got. And the club had been in the doldrums for like 20-odd years. So for us now to take the club back to where Evertonians think they belong, certainly in the top four or five clubs in, in British football. So it was a great time to be there. And you know, when I look back now, I say we had a reunion recently when I went home and the movie, the premiere, it's... It's only you only get it once in a, a lifetime. I would I've never got close to being not only that committed, but that having that relationship with a group of guys. They're mm -hmm. still my best friends now. I still love them to bits. Wow. Every single one of That's them. That's awesome. We speak every week at, huh. to at least one of them. I was on the phone to one of them this morning, awesome. and he's living in Dubai now. So it, it's just it's something that unless you've been through it, it's very difficult to describe that bond that you have, and. Um, it's uh, you know I felt very fortunate and privileged to have been around him. And then, and when did you get into the the whole managing sort of coaching aspect of things? I know, and uh, eventually, uh, you started it over there, am I yeah. right? And then, like, what is it, Burnley or where it was? Yeah, where? originally, and um, I I I I knew I was always going to go into coaching. You did. Yeah. Why? It, because I love the sport so much, and I've always been the guy who asked that question you just asked. Why? I always wanted to know why the coach was doing this. Okay. Can you explain to me why we're doing this? And right. So I got—I think I got my first qual 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 qualification at 23. Holy cow! I started going into coaching then, so it was a natural progression. And I always say this now: the probably the reason I do it is because it's the nearest thing to playing. Right. And trust me, that nothing will ever replace that moment of. 10 minutes before you run out onto a football field that feeling that you get in a locker room and everybody's so hyped yeah and then when you come in after and you've won a game and you've seen the people go home so happy that is something that you can never replace ever and then you and uh, and then but you still get some of that now i mean yeah right? I do because I mean, this is the nearest thing i've yeah, got i can't yeah. physically run out there anymore you, but so i can go go out there and actually have a little bit of an influence by my my team talks, my you know tactical changes during the game, or just my general uh, vocal encouragement—should we call it from the yeah, side? I've, 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 so you don't have to like budget for me. I know exactly what you're saying. So now, you were—did uh, you find yourself to be a good coach right away, or, or did that take some learning and doing and, and figuring out? It's funny now because I, I, I speak to the the guys who, who are now starting their coaching licenses, and I say to them all the time. Nothing ever prepares you for that first day that you come into a group at a new club and you've got 28 players sitting there looking at you going, go on then. Because that's what they're thinking. Right. Because I used to be the guy. Right. 
and within 10 minutes you can either make it or you can lose them. That's like having a substitute teacher in class. Like like all yeah. of a sudden the sub comes in you're like I'm going to yeah. we're going to run this we're yeah. going to run this teacher out of out of out of this out of this classroom but then but then all of a sudden you know they 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 yeah. touch you and they they you and know, then they, you have a within make a, something work. And within a short period of time then you start to develop an understanding of the group of you know, the alpha males who are the followers, who are the, yes, who are the leaders, yes. and then knowing which buttons to press for certain people, and that's that comes with experience. Yeah, and we've talked about that before. Just how many, how many different egos, frankly, that you have to finesse yeah. as a head coach, and, and and yet still be the top dog and and, yeah. and and the final voice. And but but yeah, you have to. There's a lot of people, and I would imagine, you know, in this modern day and age, even more so. Uh, athletes that uh, have been coddled for a long time yeah. and that have 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 a sense of privilege and entitlement and uh, and are, uh, in some cases, let's just face it, spoiled brats. But like yeah. you've got to you got to you got to check all those. And you and you also, if you know, you're in the position now where you can kind of be a, a huge influence on the formation of the team and who fits and, and chemistry and, yeah. and personalities and all that and, and too. And that's, that's awesome. You know, the slight off, off season changes we made with the structure within the club, give me a little bit more, um, a little bit more power, if you like, and a little bit more responsibility to dictate the way that we move in the club forward, certainly on the playing side, um, which has been nice. Um, but ultimately, it will come down to wins and losses and my day-to-day -day management of the group. That's what it comes down to all the time. You've probably heard a million people with the interviews you've had over the years where they go, I really like the guy, but they can't win a game. Mm -hmm. And that's the hard part, is yeah. trying to be the guy who I'm close enough to the players that I get a response from him and they respect me, and then far enough away from him that this guy's in charge and he's not going to take any BS or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And, and so you moved stateside, which was yeah. probably a, a big move for somebody that's you know mm -hmm. born and rooted in in uh, in the UK to to all of a sudden come to Austin. Texas. Yeah, we came over the year before. I was at Coventry City, and we went and played Portland Timbers in a preseason game, and I think there was something like eighteen thousand there, and I was amazed at the atmosphere within the in the stadium, and then I started to look at it closer. Um, I should have got the Coventry City job, and I didn't. And that was probably the most disappointed I've ever been of not being offered something that I thought was mine. And that made my mind up to come to the States. You know, I was pretty much really disappointed with how things were going in England. And then an old director from Stoke City said, I'm gonna start a team in Austin, Texas, and we're gonna be the best team outside the MLS. I want you to come and run it for me. I went, what do you mean run it? He said, I want you to come and build a club from the bottom. Every decision that's made on the football side is yours. That was that was pretty exciting. That's a, yeah, I was gonna say that's just, that's a great opportunity. Yeah. And then we landed in Austin, Texas, and I didn't realize what a special place that was, you know. And uh, you had no idea. No, yeah. no. People, I heard people say, you know, all the keep Austin weird and all that stuff. But if you're a guy like me who uh, who likes loves live music and things like that, that was heaven when we dropped in 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 Austin, Texas, and it became pretty clear very early that the team was going to do okay. Mm -hmm. And then the owner said. I'm going to go for it. I want to go to the MLS. Wow. Big change. But then he said, we don't think that's the market is ready for it yet. But 
go and have a look around and then we we ended up in orlando orlando yeah okay it did so did you have did you ever get boots or hat a cowboy boot or a cowboy hat like mm. while you were in austin yes did you, you did okay yeah. i just was curious you don't have to elaborate i've, I've can... still got a couple of pairs of cowboy boots okay yeah. all right because right. they were fashionable once in england probably about mid 80s i think i would imagine they'll, st- they'll surge back here yeah i've point. still got them that's awesome. Then, so Orlando, and there you were able to kind of really get on the map in, in yeah. U.S. soccer, and yeah. really just make, we had, we make had a, a serious. Dent. We had a great USL team. That I think our first hundred games are still the best record in the history of soccer in America. Yeah, we lost twelve out of hundred, and, and uh, then people are ta- really taking notice. Yeah, of you. and I, I I I went to Toronto to speak to them about the job there, which was really tempting because it's a great city and. Um, they were so impressive when I got to that organization. But when you've started something from the bottom and you and suddenly 18 months away as the MLS is coming, and um, that was too big a, an attraction for me to stay. I, I, I couldn't leave this project that I'd started. And um, it's a good story, actually. A friend of mine is a journalist down there, Pat. He interviewed me and Phil Rawlings on the same day we, we took over in Orlando. And after the end of the interview, Pat went, I wish you well, guys, but you've got no chance here. Wow. Wow. And, uh, and then less than three years later, we had 62,000 people on the opening day of the MLS right. season in the Citrus Bowl. You know, so I always thank Pat Clark for that. I always go, Pat, you remember that? He goes, you kill me about this every time we, <laughs> every time we have an interview. I'm glad I've never said anything <laughs> like that to you here because, my goodness, yeah. you know, what you're building is exciting. And, you know, yeah. we, we saw it last season with, with, uh, with you know, a spot in the U.S. Open final yeah. and, and the, you know a playoff appearance yeah. and a new stadium and yeah. and uh you know there's so much to get excited about here um you you got a contract extension too mm-hmm. which is what i was super stoked about to see um and, and stoked i know where you come from yeah. stoke city that's yeah. a whole nother but stoked here in, in the u.s is like that means we're really excited so uh so was, did you mean that pun or not uh, i actually didn't but then when i latched in on it I <laughs> sounds was like, as though you're very clever there you it know it's really clever no but like congratulations on that because i think it, i think it's well deserved yeah. and uh and it looks like you're getting more say as to how things go down here and i'm really excited to see what you guys kind of uh, how you architect things now uh, with with this team, and when, especially with with having now having the foundation of success, uh, and and then building on that. Yeah, right? I think the most important thing is, and you know, last year was a good year, but we all know that. But in this league at this moment in time, you look at the amount of money teams are spending. If you're standing still, you're going backwards. So it's funny. I I put a little list together before we came on. We've got eleven new faces quietly. We've we bought a lot of players in this year. That is a lot of yeah. new players. And we're still hopeful for maybe bringing a, a top-line DP in and mm-hmm. maybe another squad player. But when I look at where we are now to where we were, we had a really good off-season last year. I think we've had an even better one this year with the introduction of the players that we bought. We bought players then who've got experience in the league, who are of a good age, very similar to the, the qualities and the attributes that we're looking. We wanted to try and get a little bit younger, wanted to get a little bit more athletic. Uh, and I think we've done all that in the off-season. So sitting here talking to you now with the season, what, a few weeks away, yeah. this is probably the, the most excited and the most content I've been with a group of players since I've been here. Like totally, like full-on confident. Yeah, like, let's go. I am, yeah. yeah. You know, and obviously the, the the sort of icing on the cake would be the, the third DP if we could bring him in because 
we are still really, really close to that. And if we get it over the line, I'll be really, really excited. You're, you'll, if you get it over the line, you'll be over the moon. Yeah, like, there you so go. So you, uh, like your media relations, you know, guru around here, uh, one of your communication stars, uh, his, his name is Eric Durkee, and he's just he's. Uh, oh, don't he's, say stop. Okay, sorry, but he's just he is. I I, I think th- I think the world of him, and, 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 and he's great at what he does. So with that said. He coined a term um, as I was walking up here to the conference room to talk to you. He says, you know what we are, Perk? We are young and hungry. We are, I, yeah. I've, I've coined the new term, youngry. Like y- youngry, we, yeah. You're, we are youngry. So yeah. he says, you're, you're, feel free to use that. Yeah. I'm now officially using it. <laughs> I may use are it. Are you passing young- it off as your own? No, 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 no. I'll, I'll give him credit, okay. but I'm, I'm definitely going to try to move it forward Okay. Yeah. I, if, if you're okay with that. Yeah, right? I'm sure. That's a- All right. I'm not going to give Dirks any present for it. <laughs> You're not going to say it's that no. great. But it's, it's, it, it's clever. It's a good yeah. play on words. And that's sort of like what we're expecting to see. And I know you got a new goalie. Yeah. Totally. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and Excited uh, about him. First homegrown player. 15-year-old guy. Came on tour with us down to uh, uh, Fred Emmings, goalkeeper. Um, came on tour with us for the first two weeks of the Florida leg. Pretty cool to see a 15-year-old guy who you can tell he's around all these people he's been watching for the last couple of years. Pretty, pretty awesome for him. So you have a history with this kid. Yeah, he's been with us now for a couple of years. Yeah, and um, six foot four. Yeah, fifteen years of age. Turned sixteen last week, actually. So he's uh, he's got a big future, and we've got um, we bought another two goalkeepers in besides that. Because yeah, you lost Vito Manoni. That, yeah. So you got you got, you got Vito new- out. And Vito, you know, decided he want to stay in Europe. Took he took Tyler Miller, which we were amazed we got him. Really were, and uh, twenty six years of age. U.S. national team goalkeeper. That's not his highlight reel. He's the guy's ridiculous. Yeah, and I think he's gonna. I think he's he will be the next U.S. national team goalkeeper. So that's great. We've got Dane Sinclair who now will go on loan. I saw that. Well, we, he needs to play. Yeah. Last thing he needs to be sitting on the bench for another year. Right. So he needs to go and play. So we've sent him to San Antonio. We think he'll be do great for us. So you know. And, and then and then your defense, uh, you know, with the with the standouts that you have back there in uh, Ike and and, uh, and Boxel and, yeah. and Metinier is yeah. back there, and you're able to do some great things uh, there still. And and but but you, there's a lot of other guys that are new. And and this, the one that jumped out to me was the Amarillo kid. Yeah. What yeah. can you tell us about him? What are you? Um, twenty four. Yeah. Again, youngry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very very. Very good in the box, ex- ex- exceptional movement in the box, which is something you can try and teach people, but some people have it natural. In England, we call it the fox in the box. Okay. Just the guy who knows where it's going to be, um, wants to do well, wants to be here, um, got plenty of running in him, energy, which is something that I felt we lacked at times. And that's, you know, to coin Turkey's phrase, youngery, it's one of the things that we've tried to do. People who actually are going to buy into the fact that we might not have the greatest team in the world. We might not win every game, but we are certainly going to compete in every time we cross the white line. You've always said that, and I've always seen it. And well, well yeah, there's been there was a couple exceptions yeah, where yeah. where it didn't really show itself. But um, in the in the playoffs last year, um, such high expectations, such high hopes, yeah. and uh, and and an electric a- atmosphere. Yeah. Um, a, a disappointment for sure. I, I hate bringing it up. No, but, like, like but it's, it's still it's still the most disappointing thing since I've been here because we were better in the galaxy. Now. That sounds crazy to say to people. The Galaxy have been the standard bearers of this league for probably 10 years. But when you consider the, 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 
the the squad that they've assembled and what they've paid for it. And for us to be really disappointed that we haven't taken a team like the Galaxy out of the playoffs, I think that showed how far we would come. Right. But I'm, I'm a realist. I know when we've been good. I know when we've been bad. We were good that evening and we were the better team. Hence the changes that we've made. We feel as though we left too many points on the board and left too many opportunities out on the field. I believe if Luis Marilla would have played for us that night, we would have still been in the tournament after the Galaxy game. Yeah, and now and now you build on that. So now you just you you, you wipe the slate clean. It's a new year. You yep. got a lot of new guys. I you say eleven new guys. That's insane. Yeah. Maybe more. Um, I, we were all like reveling here recently that the Timberwolves gutted their roster and added seven new players. But my goodness, you guys are making some serious personnel changes too. But you also have uh, like a lot more of, a, a, I think, an excitement. I mean, you talk about a Timberwolves team. I don't want to bash the Timberwolves here yeah. right now, but they, you know, they've had a lot of struggles and, and we don't have to get into their playoff droughts. And, and I know they, they had a, a little bit of a playoff uh, appearance a couple years ago, but but for the most part they've been they've been really they've been really struggling. And and with your franchise, we see a team that that is in this brand new stadium, and then it's this atmosphere. It's such a fun, festive kind of experience for a fan. And and I think that you know from from the top on down, from from the good doctor yeah. uh, McGuire uh, who owns this team and, and everybody. Uh, that, that works under it just seems like it's it's just first rate and uh, you, yeah. and and you have to be really happy to have being re-signed to to kind of continue this chart yeah I, I said when I arrived if you remember that let's see where we are at the end of the third year yeah. because people don't realize being an expansion team how difficult it is it's uh, only the people who've been through it know it it's funny I we played down in Florida last week and I saw Jason Christ who came in the same year as we did he was in New York and we were in Orlando. And he went, you've, you've taken your time and you've gradually built it. And his exact words were to me, he says, because nobody knows what it's like when you're the coach of an expansion team. I did, I knew what I was coming into. And we were probably a little bit further behind than we were in Orlando. So I knew this was gonna take time. What we've got to do, Perk, and we've, got, we've just got to keep trying to improve all the time. Never be satisfied for where we are. We know we can't, the one thing that we can't control is results. But we, everything else we can. You know, the old saying, control the controllables. What is actually, what can we actually control to make this club better if every you single control, week? If you control the controllables, the wins will come, right? Yes, that's what you hope so, yeah. Trust the process that you're putting into place. Trust the plan. Bring that enthusiasm every day. Now, I have a saying with all the staff, nothing great was ever achieved without enthusiasm. And I make sure that we try and bring that every single day. Because without, if we don't do it, what, how do we expect the players to do it over a 10-month se uh, season? So every single day I remind them on nothing great was achieved without enthusiasm. And by the way, you're a grandpa now too, right? Yeah, I mean, twice. That's kind of awesome. It is, yeah. I loved my time with him in the summer. It, well, it was the winter. I always use that because it's the end of the season. But, right, uh, right, I'm with you. Yeah, so both. One's two, one's and just... Everything's up, so. going good on that front? Yeah, they're great. Okay, they're, they're coming on and... Uh, one of them's already showing a real appetite for football. Soccer. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, like crazy. Wakes up, goes and gets his football, plays with the football all bed. You imagine what it's like, toys everywhere. Only thing he plays with is a football. Goes to bed, holding his ball, so. Okay, inchy right. too. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> inchy too, boy. Yeah. Well, my, my, my son-in-law's a footballer from my daughter's side, and my daughter-in-law from my son's side who's a footballer. She's also a footballer. 
Okay. So, so it's pretty much in the family. Yeah, yeah, it is. It sounds like it is. And continued success. I, mm. I really appreciate the time. But here's a question I have. Like, is, like, were, was England not metric? Were you, how is, weren't you like, what, was, was, aren't they centimeters over there? We used to be, no, we used to be. Uh, are you, what are you inch. now over there? Oh, it's been that long away. I don't know. Actually, now, now we've got rid of this nonsense with Brexit. I think we're going back to feet and inches and so okay. stones and ounces. <laughs> so it'd be like going back to old money for me. I'll understand where we are. I just could. I could listen to you talk all day long. So You're, quick, quick one so before we go. Yeah. Quick one before we go. Okay. Timberwolves. This big change around. Good yeah. or bad? Good. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes you have to take three steps back to take four steps forward. Okay. You know, I, I just I think that you know, and and that's as hard. That's a tough pill. And and you know we see it we see it a lot in this in in this uh, in the sports world. And you can you can see it just in this sports market alone. I I was crushed when the Twins got rid of Brian Dozier and some of those and some of those folks. But you know what? Look what they did last year. They they were are they going to be better this year? No, they're going to be great. Yeah, they're going to be great. And and you know it just like personnel moves. We saw it with the Wild getting rid of Jason Zucker, another fan favorite. You, like some, you just—it's hard because you get attached yeah. to to certain players and athletes and kind of personas, and then all of a sudden, you know, there's this sort of reshaping of the identity of the team, and there's a new direction. But uh, we, you know, we just want to win. Yeah. Folks in Minnesota just want to win. This is not. A, this is yeah. not that we are not like. I, this is not an abundant winning landscape in the sports scene. But I, I mean, am, we get close. You know, the Vikings make the playoffs. The Twins get to make the playoffs yeah. you know the wild make the playoffs but nobody lasts it's like last year with you guys doggone it you got yeah, there yeah. one game and then then you know, then all of a sudden it was this big let you guys got it you got to flip the script and i believe i believe that i believe you in go. you adrian i believe in you so there you go so lastly yeah vikings good season bad season um this past season yeah. was was great i thought it was great yeah i i uh I think that, yeah, I, I think I think there's a lot to be excited about with the Vikings. I think that window is still open. So I think it's I think that the the, the major teams. Well, I say the major teams. I'm no no much about the Wild, but I think the Vikings are on the right path. I think the Timberwolves made a good trade, and hopefully, we're gonna. The Twins have made some great moves. Yeah, yeah. There's a, I think that's where the that's where. There's going to be some real excitement. This could be a really fun summer in Minnesota sports. Yeah, I'm, and I love it. You know, I love all the sports, all the sports. So hopefully we'll have some exciting summer. Yeah, you throw in the Lynx and the Saints and whoever else wants yeah. to get in that mix. We're all about it. Adrian Heath, thank you so much. Cheers, Perks. No problem. All right. And that wraps it up. Thank you so much for listening to Perk at Pod on zonecoverage.com. Be sure to follow them on all social media platforms. They're doing some amazing things here at this space. I'm telling you what, some really smart people up in this building for sure. And follow me on all social media platforms as well, if you will, uh, from Instagram to YouTube to Twitter, Facebook. You can usually find me at Perk at Play, one word. Perk. Find out what he'll say. Perk Airpods. Sometimes he's airplay. Perk Airpods. Who's coming on today? Perk Airpods.